0: Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. If you are new here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm Stephanie, and on this podcast, we talk about so much, <laughs> but the main driver behind every conversation is generational change, and we have conversations about our marriages and mindset, our health, finances, faith, parenting, I'm going to go on, and If you go to simsarrows.com, S-I-M-S, arrows.com, and just search podcast directory, all of the episodes that I've ever done are separated out by category in case you are more interested in one of those topics over the other. But okay, let's jump into the topic today, which is anger. And my guest today talks very, very openly and candidly about her struggle with anger when her kids were really little to the point of even being abusive, at times and she really felt that her kids were the ones kind of in the wrong or not listening or if they could just do x i wouldn't be so consumed you know with anger all the time and one day she actually finally took her daughter to a therapist like dude can you figure out what is wrong with her (laughs) she won't listen she won't do you know whatever and the therapist basically said well so your child is typical Uh, you're kind of the one that needs a little bit of work. (laughs) How humbling is that, right? And so that really just led her into therapy and to discover the root cause of her anger and how to heal herself and ultimately change the narrative in her family's story. And she really talks about her and her daughter's relationship now that her daughter is older, and it's just a really, really, really great conversation. So if you've ever struggled with anger in your motherhood or in general, this episode and conversation was for you. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our guest today, who is a certified professional life coach who really helps discouraged moms overcome destructive anger and burnout, Natalie Hickson. All right. Welcome, Natalie, to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm really excited about our topic today. It's not one that we have like explicitly covered on the podcast. I'm really, really excited to hear. But before we get started, can you just kind of go really quickly into just who you are, uh, maybe your story, kind of what you help moms do? Yeah, totally. So
1: I live in Bozeman, Montana with my high school sweetheart and husband <laughs> of 20 years now. Um, and we yeah, we just we raised three girls. We're raising three girls, 18, almost 18, uh, 14 and 10. And um it was really how I got into what I'm doing, which is coaching moms through helping them with destructive anger and burnout. Um, kind of was like, uh, happened into it. It wasn't something I was planning ever. Did I ever, ever think that this is what I'd be doing in my, with my life. Right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I had completed life coaching school and I had a friend who, um, we were just started a little mastermind group. And at one of the meetings that we had, um, a friend and I, one of the gals and I stayed up late talking and sharing our motherhood journeys and anger and how we over like came so much of it and worked through it. And she's like, girl, you need to be on my podcast. And I don't know if you've heard of Kelsey Van Kirk, but she's like, come on my podcast and, and let's talk about it. And it was at that point after that podcast went out that mom started contacting me like, Hey, I need help. Help me. How can I work through this stuff? And,
0: um, yeah, that's kind of how I started doing what I'm doing today. <laughs> that's awesome. I think it's, I always think it's funny because that is like a pretty, we all have a unique story, but that's also still like what everyone's story is. Right. It's like, I help right. women a ton with finances and it's like, because I was a hot mess with finances. <laughs> I wasn't dead. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Wasn't making good choices and whatever. And then finally like something clicked and I changed my life with finances and now I coach other people, but who knew? you know what I mean? Right? That I'd be <laughs> a finance coach. So um, yes. it's just, it's just funny how that kind of happens. It literally is, um, you know, it takes our weakness, right? Is where God's strength is. And that is where it yes. just like shows up with so much redemption and then not, and so much grace, like not only, you know, we'll be talking about anger a lot in this episode, but it's like, not only was there the grace to like deliver you from that, but And, you know, me from my finances or whatever, you know, whatever our Mm -hmm. thing is, we all have a thing. Um, But then also to like use that as a platform to be able to have, um, you know, a platform is probably the best word to counsel and coach and guide other people who are, you know, maybe a couple steps behind or where we used to be. So. Definitely yes. a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: <laughs> it is. It's so cool. I just it's amazing how he just redeems and restores and renews and yeah,
0: all the things. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So okay, so I'm gonna just assume and throw it out there that this story is um, you know, I'm assuming that you struggled with anger, uh, either within your motherhood, um, or probably within your motherhood, and then also just in other areas. Um, And then, so could you just kind of talk through that, talking, you know, about your story with that and what that looked like? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up with parents who,
1: the way that they processed anger was loud and destructive, and they're not that way today. They've definitely worked through, and um, part of that has been me just kind of forcing them with my own growth. (laughs) You know, hey, we we need to grow through this, and and they've just been they're amazing. In fact, my mom is my kid's homeschool teacher today. but yeah, so that's how I grew up though, is is seeing this yelling and screaming and you know, slamming doors and, and just all of this loudness. Both parents were very loud in their and destructive in their behavior with anger. And I didn't really think too much of it, you know, it's just that's how you grow up, that's what you see, that's how you experience it, and life goes on is kind of how you go as
0: a teenager, right?
1: Right.
0: right. And that's kind of like um, you feel like that's who you are,
1: part of who you yeah. are. Totally. And I mean, looking back, I'm like, wow, I was very a dramatic. I was quite a dramatic teenager for sure. And um, my husband and I met when we were 16 and started dating. Um, and I guess that was 25 years ago to um, this month, but we um, five years later got married and it wasn't until we were living together that I really started to catch on to there's something not quite right here because Unlike my parents who were both loud and destructive in how they processed anger, my husband was very quiet and withdrawn and he didn't yell back. And so I would be yelling at him if we got into an argument and I can remember being like, why won't you just yell at me? And he's like, I just don't yell. Like, that's not what I do. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. not quite the same. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, that there was a way to fix it. I didn't know anything better. I didn't know that there was any, you know, it just, this is how we were. And, um, I noticed it was a challenge, but again, didn't know that I could do anything about it. Uh, fast forward to bringing home our first daughter, Enya, um, it wasn't until she was about two that I really started to, um, have another kind of moment of something's not quite right here. Um, where both of us are on the the floor, her and I throwing tantrums together, you know, both screaming at each other, kicking the floor, um, you know, slamming the doors and just trying to control and manipulate each other at a two year old uh, maturity level, which was great for her, but that's not how I was supposed to be processed. right? <laughs> <laughs> and at this point still, I'm like, I don't know if there's a way to change. I don't know. I can do anything about this. It's frustrating. It's scary. Um, I was very abusive to her. I would spank her too hard and leave little handprints on her, but I'd squeeze her arm and there'd be bruises. Um, I'd belittle her and threaten her. And, you know, sometimes my husband would try to get in between and I would just get more angry at him. And actually I'd even be physical with him at times. So I was just a, a scary mess at that point. Um, and again, just not knowing what to do about it, and starting in that place to go, you know, if Anya would just listen to me, I wouldn't get so angry, and we wouldn't have this problem. Sure. Um, so I'm just placing on her at this point. So um, fast forward again to bringing her sister home about three three and a half years later. I'm nursing Sky, and Mike's putting Anya to bed, and Anya's throwing this epic tantrum because that's what she did. She didn't know how to process through it. I didn't know how to help her. He didn't know how to help her but she's throwing this tantrum. I'm sitting here nursing and anyone who's nursed before knows that's supposed to be a relaxing thing, right? You're kind of like getting more mellow and kind
0: mm-hmm. well, of tired. kind
1: of Yes. Yeah. And, um, I'm hearing this epic battle going on and I just get more and more angry and finally scream at the top of my lungs for I need to just shut up. And Sky stops nursing, looks at me, and just gives me this horrific face and starts bawling. And I'm like, okay, this isn't okay. I've got to do something different. Enya needs therapy. So once again, I'm like, I can't be helped. Enya needs to be helped. Um, and so we take her to a therapist and she's observed. Then talks to me and Mike later without Enya there and says, hey, Enya's a perfectly normal kid for her age and development. I just kind of chuckle at her like, well, course you're going to think that like you don't see her at home. And she's like, I understand your concern and frustration, but Natalie, you're the one who needs to be in here. And it was in that moment. I'm just like, wait, what? You know, right. <laughs> totally taken aback. But at the same time, deep down inside, I'm like, thank you, God. Like somebody is telling me that there's help for me. So I, I was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And, um, so I went through therapy, psychoanalysis for four years, um, and at the end of the four years, I, you know, I left therapy, and it was great. I mean, there's so much I learned about my family patterns and history and all of the things, but I was still screaming at my kids, and that was still frustrating to me. Um, and so I can remember just, you know, praying and asking the Lord to help me. Um, why, you know, why would you give me kids if I can't stop being angry at them? I don't understand all the things that I'm trying to do. And he just led me on this journey with, um, I would say personal development, trying different businesses. I wanted to work at home. Um, and then he led me into life coaching school and it was in life coaching school where the the school was really highly encouraging that we would spend daily time with the Lord and it was something I hadn't been doing. And so that got me into that habit. And that's where I really believe that the Lord was able to start working on my heart and changing those patterns and habits. And then it just kind of snowballed from there, as far as personal development and growth and working with other um, people in the school. And then I actually started working with mentors after school, business mentors. And then again, that group I told you about at the beginning of our conversation. Um, just a lot of of things that I was growing through and as I was doing that I didn't recognize until I started coaching for specifically for anger I didn't recognize that the Lord was actually helping me process emotions in a healthier way through that whole journey mm-hmm. um even starting with the therapy so um and then as I started coaching I just started pulling things together the Lord would you know provide this information you know help her this way, tell her this, you know, let's work through this in this way. And and then he just basically helped me create this program, um, and coaching practice that I have today that helps moms and I'm continually growing myself. So
0: that's kind of my story. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And thank you for being just transparent and vulnerable because I think, um, especially when we get into conversations with other people within the church or whatever, you know, as as much as it's preached to like come as you are and with your own vulnerabilities and you know shortcomings and whatever, I feel like we all just still there's still just this like mask. You know what I mean? Like we go, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be vulnerable to an extent, Um, and then we kind of won't go past that. And so I think that does a huge disservice to so many people because you can't really heal people when. Um, or help heal people when you're not quite going to the core, you know what I mean? Of like issues. And I mean, that's, it's a beautiful thing because you can't really be a guide for someone unless you've been on the journey. And I've realized that more and more as I've coached more and more women through finances. It's like, I had to go through the crap. (laughs) Like I had to go through the, I mean, just like downright stupidity with the money (laughs) for me Mm -hmm. to be able to, um, you know, now coach people um, through that very thing and that very, you know, valley or whatever that they have there in right now. And so it is a blessing, you know, that you were able to go through that. And you don't, like, you you have no idea that as you're (laughs) being pruned and as you're just like, being sanctified almost, you know, through this whole process, yes. you just think you're doing it for you, but God can multiply all of that. Right. And so then Amen. you are in a place where you're like, okay, now I have clarity and you are able to look back. And then you are now, I'm sure able to look at other moms that you're coaching and you can, I'm assuming, tell me if I'm wrong. Are you able to be <laughs> kind of some like root causes of, you know, as they're talking through like different things mm-hmm. that maybe their anger stems from, are you like, Yes. So you think it's this. Actually, yes. it's probably this.
1: <laughs> yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it's amazing. Every mom comes and they're like, I just want to stop being angry and I want to be, you know, over burnout and just, I'm tired of being a mom and I want to love being a mom. And, and so they come thinking that we're going to, you know, basically stop getting angry. And I take them down this journey. And one of the ones that's most surprising, I think, to my clients is when we walk into, um, working through forgiveness and resentment and toxic relationships, Mm, and they just never really made a connection between some of these past things that happened to them or relationships they've had, whether it's still an ongoing relationship, maybe a parent or sibling. Um, and that, that would be contributing to the factor that they're angry and they're not coping well with it. And so, absolutely, there's so many different variables on um, so many different variables, yet so similar. <laughs> sure. <laughs> on
0: why they're coping with anger the way they are. Sure. Um, and I did an episode, gosh, maybe three or four weeks ago, or something. Um, I actually did a whole class. It was, it was called Money Mindset for Moms: How to Break Generational Cycles. But actually, like two thirds of the training was on the epigenet- epigenetics of trauma and how trauma gets passed down and how we're actually genetically connected to the three to four generations, um, yes. you know, above and below us. And so, you know, you I've were been saying, listening to that one. It's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, yes,
1: yes, yes. yes, so, so, true, so, yes. So, <laughs> so it's like, you know,
0: you, you're saying like your parents, um, you know, that's how they dealt with life, you know, it was just anger. Um, maybe not life. That's might be, <laughs> A little harsh. I don't know your parents, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like that's what you saw. Yeah, Whatever that was, just yeah. kind of the way that you they the processing. Mean, yeah. Um. But like, what were their parents like? And even if their parents yes. weren't like that, like maybe their grandparents were, and you know what I mean. There could have been some kind of trauma that their grandparents had that like manifests as anger in them, and like that's just how we pass it down. And it's so easy to um, I shouldn't say easy. Um, it's so maybe easy is the right word, I guess. Like if that's all, you know, is a scream and yell and, you know, I mean, you can get a kid's attention by screaming yep (laughs) and yelling. You don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, and you just do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. We actually will sit down in a session and I'm like, okay, so tell me as far back as you know of your grandparents and your their grandparents their parents and you know let's go back through the history to find out some of these patterns that you're experiencing because of what happened back then and and basically what I'm looking at in those those moments is I want you to have to find the empathy and compassion because what happens is is especially if we're talking about dealing with parents and the pains or traumas of things that happened with our parents um, or a toxic person, even I, I use this very often with toxic people. If you've had a narcissist in your life, which I've absolutely had one in my life, um how do we work through the forgiveness piece of that? And what happens is, um if we find the compassion and empathy, and we we really learn who are these people and we disconnect our relationship from them, right? This is not my parent, or this is not this person who has been you know abusing me and um, emotionally we disconnect our relationship and we look at it and go, okay, this is who this person is. And this is why they do what they do. And when you really get down to the bottom of why someone's acting the way they are, your heart breaks because you start to realize what they didn't have and what they weren't given or the choice they didn't make in order to stay where they're at. And, and basically their hearts have been hardened. Right. And so it's, it's extremely sad. And so when we can get to that point, we can go, wow, I really understand they're acting this way to protect themselves. And what they're doing is not about me. It's about them. And when we get to that piece, it takes this huge, um, it takes this huge, like basically this big, huge sigh of relief, right? We're like, oh my goodness, I'm okay. Like I can I can function without needing to please this person or continually try to um, hate this person or resent this person. I can actually live and recognize that their behavior is about them and not about me. And, and that can be a huge breaking um, break breakthrough moment for um, you when you're dealing with anger because a lot of the anger will stem from us trying to cope and protect ourselves. Because of some of these um, things that have happened within our past or the uh, toxic relationships we've had to deal with.
0: Absolutely. And I, you know, and I think it also just uh, confirms that we have, we can only do the work that we can do on ourselves. We can't, as much as, and if you listen to that episode, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but like as much as we wish, our parents would do the work they need to do so that they could show up better for us (laughs) selfishly, Mm -hmm. you know, or like kind of show up as the parents that we want or grandparents or whatever. Um, I'm just talking in general here, not like specifically mine or yours, or as much, you know, I mean, my kids are all little, I've got all four boys right now, and one's due next week. (laughs) So (laughs) um, but you know, they don't really I mean, they kind of have their own work to do. But as they get older, right, you're gonna wish that your kids would do the work That they need to do, but you can't do that for them. And so the power really is in the work you can do for yourself, which is why I love your story of, you know, kind of, I don't know, you're kind of adopting, you know, your parents way or like what you knew. And then all of a sudden you just looked up and you're like, wait, not everyone's like this. Hold on a second. (laughs) And then you just did the work For you, you know, and sometimes we have to have a freaking therapist be like, "No, girl, you're you're the issue," Um, and that's all good too, you know. And so, um, and that's God too, just waking us up, like you know, like there's there's work in us that we do, and that's all that we can do. And so then once Mm -hmm. we do the work, that is where you know this whole podcast is about generational change. And so you have been able to not perfectly, but break that cycle, you know, and teach your daughters. Differently, and they'll still they may still struggle a little bit with anger or be more vulnerable to it, but at oh, least you have some tools.
1: So <laughs> well, and and that's something too that um, people ask or they're curious. What's the relationship like with me and Enya today? And it's beautiful. Like it's not perfect, and um, she, but she knows everything that's happened to her. And I would say that. Um, because I've been very open and transparent with her. I'm like, Hey kiddo, this is what happened to you when you were this age. And this is how I acted around you. And she doesn't remember these things, which is totally possible. Um, I would probably from like a psychology way, not that I'm a psychologist, but in psychology, um, she's probably suppressed some of those memories just out of protection. And so, and I recognize this and I, and and maybe there's also this element that the Lord is just blessing, right? He's totally restoring and blessing us. And I will totally take that as well. But I've told her, kiddo, as, as you grow, if you start to see things that you don't like about yourself or you're frustrated about, or there's something that rubs you wrong the wrong way with me um, or daddy or whatever, um, as you're growing, if you recognize these things um, you can always come back to me and talk to me about it. If you have a memory that comes up and you're like, hey, I remember when you like really squeezed me so hard and it left bruises in it and that's that's really frustrating or it's really hurtful or this happened, this pattern was set up because of it. Like come back and talk to me about that because I want to be open and I want to ask for forgiveness and work through these things with you um, so that you can grow and not be stuck in some of these patterns yourself because you learn these things at a, at a young age um you know before 7 we don't have a filter on our subconscious so anything that's said to us or happens or that we take in we take in as truth and so it you know it's not till after age 7 that we really start to seal that and we start to have a filter and we're able to kind of decipher more of what's real and what's not And that doesn't mean we can't change what happens. It just means that we have to work at changing the pattern in the coping way, right? So she might have coping mechanisms that she has to deal with things in a certain way because of what happened when she was young and I was abusive, right? So by communicating this with her, she knows there's an open door and I'm on her team and I want to support her and I acknowledge that that was a challenge, so I really think that and you know there's I've had moms who are like oh man I've I've been abusive and I you know should I talk to my 7 year old about this I'm like no I don't think you need to full on sit down and say I I smacked you too hard when you were 3 I think that you just continue the, to show them and model in in a in your healthier behavior and we can talk about that in a minute how to process emotions in a healthier way and recover in a healthier way. So you can start opening up that trust and that safety and that communication with your children. And as they grow older, you can start opening up these other conversations of this may have been happened, or this is what went on. And this is how we grew through it. And if you need anything, you know, so just kind of this supportive approach with the kids.
0: I love that. And it's so important to, um, Coping skills, like you just had kind of touched on it, and it doesn't matter. Like, explicitly teaching your child coping skills. Um, I have a whole episode on that, also, actually. So, thanks for bringing up all these other episodes. I forgot that I did. Um, but I have a whole episode on like the power of coping skills because. Um, you know, so addiction like really runs in my family. And so that's just Mm -hmm. something that I'm more vulnerable to, you know, it's something that my kids are going to be more vulnerable to when you think about the, uh, uh, the addictive gene and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, they'll say like, you know, you know, if you've got two different siblings and you know, you have an alcoholic father, one might become an alcoholic and the other one won't ever touch alcohol. Well, what is the difference between, the, you know, one that does fall, you know, to alcoholism or addiction or whatever, be it drugs, whatever the heck it is, sex, rock and roll, you know, um and the other mm-hmm. one that doesn't. And a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it comes down to temperament and, and genetics and that kind of stuff, but also it comes down, it's like 50% coping skills. Like if mm-hmm. your kid can have really, really strong coping skills oftentimes whatever ails us, right? Whatever is in your familial line, that is an issue, be it anger, like I said, addiction or whatever it might be. Um, if you can explicitly teach your kids coping skills, that is a huge, huge win for your child to be able to um, navigate, you know, like different feelings and emotions and, uh, whatever else. So do you, um, do you talk with that with your clients or yes. Okay. So can you kind of yeah. elaborate on that?
1: So basically one of a couple of things that I take my clients through are um what do we do when we're angry in the moment? How are we modeling anger to our kids? Right. And so I teach what I call sit and pray. And to shorten it up so we remember we can run to the bathroom, I say sit and pee, because the bathroom's got a lock on it, right? So mm-hmm. even if our kids are following us to the door, banging on the door. We can separate ourselves from our kids for a minute. We can stop, and that's what the S is for, stop and separate, inhale, taking the deep breaths. We're calming our nervous system down physically, and we're tuning in. Okay, I'm angry right now. I'm frustrated. Anybody would be upset, like we're validating ourselves. Anyone would be upset with our kids back talking us or whining, or we have to tell someone 15 times to do something. That's painful. That's frustrating. It's okay that I'm angry right now. Um, but how do I want to walk through this and then praying, hey, Lord, can you please help me be productive? Can you give me clarity? Can you help me you know walk through this in a healthier way? And so I really try to we really walk through that um, in depth and sit and pray um and we can do sit sit and pray before we run into a triggering situation. So if we know that bedtime is a trigger for us, then before we even call bedtime. Um, let's take a moment and just sit and pray for a minute and ask the Lord to kind of give us, you know, refocus, recenter, and ask the Lord for some strength to walk through that. So what if we've done that? Or what if we know sit and pray and we just walk through and we blow up anyways? Then we go into recovery. And recovery is where I say it's time to go back. And first thing you do is take responsibility for your actions. So if you yelled at your kiddo, even if they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing, you go back and say, hey, you know what? It's okay that mama was angry. It was not okay that I yelled at you. So please forgive me for how I treated you in that way. So we're telling the kids that the emotion we had was okay. And we're telling the kids the emotion you had was okay, right? So we're just validating in that moment. So we take responsibility and then we say, you know, what was going on for you? And we kind of listen. We try to hear what was going on, whether they were right or wrong. We want to hear them and hear them out and validate, right? okay that you are upset that your brother stole your truck. I can understand that. That's frustrating. It wasn't okay for you to take that truck and chuck it back at him and hurt him, right? So we talk through that validation of the emotion, but it's the action that we want to work on changing, right? And that's what you're doing with sit and pray. And then we can, at that point, after we've walked through these things and the kiddo and you have calmed down and you're connecting, I always like to add an element of touch in this. Whether it's cuddling or hand on the knee or shoulder, just kind of connecting, letting our kids know that we accept them, even if we're upset or frustrated, um, or if it's been a frustrating situation, we love them no matter what. They need to know that. Um, And so after we've walked through that recovery, we can pray and we can also at the very end say, okay, it's time for consequences if they need it. So we don't want to dish out consequences in the beginning um, or even when we're angry. And my kids know if I yell out something like, that's it, I'm taking your phone away for a week <laughs> when I'm angry, they're like, okay, mom doesn't mean that. She's just upset right now. Right. But I'm sure I'm going to get a consequence later, you know? <laughs> right. And so, because um, it's just one of those things, it's not, you know, it's just an unspoken rule. And so, at the end of recovery, that's when we can do consequences and we can help our kids. They're more receptive to it because they've been heard, they feel validated. And then they're like, yeah, I can understand why I would need to put my truck in timeout for an hour. Right. Um, And yeah, even with littles, we can work through these things. Um, We could get specific if we need to, but in general, you know, that's kind of the walking through the heat of the moment. And if we lose it, and I will have moms who are just like, oh, you know, we're coaching and I just I totally blew it yesterday. This happened and all the things. And I'm like, that's awesome. What are we gonna learn from this experience? Because here's the thing. We can't expect our kids to grow up and not be angry. Our kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna feel anger and they're going to feel these negative emotions and they need to see how to process through the events. So yeah, we don't like it when we get upset with our kids and maybe blow it or yell at them or, or experience a destructive piece of anger. But they need to see how that happens and how we work through it to recover, right? Um, and that's helping them learn to process emotionally healthy um, in a more healthy way. So that's really kind of some of the steps we walk through. I also will suggest what I have a free thing for anyone listening today. If you go to nataliehixson.com/legacy, um, um, it's called a trigger tracker. And so after one of those moments that you've experienced anger. Um, and, and we should talk about destructive anger and healthy anger in a minute. But sure. after you've experienced one of these episodes and you've calmed down, give yourself some time, um, go back and sit down with this trigger tracker and kind of walk through. It walks through. What did you do? What was going on for you? What was you know going on for your kiddos or whoever's involved in the moment? Um, how do you want this to look in the future next time you get triggered? How do you want to walk through this in a more healthy way? So really what we're doing is creating awareness around the triggers um, understanding, you know, I didn't know I got hungry at two o'clock every day. I didn't even think about it until I sat down to actually process through it. I'm hangry, and that's why I get so cranky with the kids, or vice versa. We keep forgetting lunchtime. You know, we just get so busy. So, I mean, that's a simple, a simple example, but it's just those type of things where we're bringing awareness around our triggers, and the more awareness we have, the easier it is for us to kind of go, wait a minute. I'm upset right now. I need to take a moment before I continue in this. So it just really helps bring more awareness to the um, situation. And then at the end of the form, asking you how do you want this to be next time, we're kind of trying to rebuild that that path. What's the healthy path to walk through this trigger next time? So we need to kind of bring awareness to that as well.
0: And I love um, I love this conversation and any conversation that are along these lines of triggers because. I feel like triggers are kind of like a bad word. Like people are like, "Oh, I want to avoid being whatever." Where there's like trigger warning, yes. you know, like all of these things, like, um, that, that it's bad. And and there are some things where you know, if you've had some serious trauma or whatever, right? Um, you know, you do need to be delicate with different things that could trigger you. Um, and sure. you know, possibly need therapy, whatever. But outside of that, <laughs> outside of those yeah. situations, triggers are really good because they are really telling, right? Like they're mm-hmm. a little bit, um well, they are, they're challenging to us. And so often we want to just like skip over them or avoid them. But that is really where some like serious breakthroughs can happen because that's where you're stuck. You know, like that's where there is something deep (laughs) going on and you just, there needs to be some intentional work through. And so if you are, yeah, like you said, if it's something that keeps coming up over and like bedtime over and over and over, it's like something is not right. You know, and whether your kids Mm -hmm. are getting triggered, you're getting, you know, everybody's freaking triggered. (laughs) Like (laughs) something you got to sit and you have to be intentional with that time. So I love that you have that resource. I think that I actually have a link to that also, but if not send it to me and I'll make sure it's in the show notes. But, um, you started to speak about the difference between like destructive anger and anger. That's just natural and Mm -hmm. part of being human. Do you want to talk through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So let's just break it down to the five emotions real quick, right?
1: We've got anger, we've got sadness, fear, disgust, and joy.
0: And out, each <laughs> a,
1: yes, right? I love that movie. <laughs> it's so good. Um, it is. And so, one of the things is when we experience an emotion, we have a physical response to it, right? And so often we have been suppressed just by culture, by, you know, just kind of social norm. We're like, we can't be angry because there's something wrong with us if there is. And we can even go so far as to be like, you know, you see our kiddos upset and we're like, what's wrong? And we're not trying to put the message around, across to them. Like we're not consciously trying to be like, there's something wrong with you. We're really just like, what's going on for you? How can we help you? But it comes, it can come across. Is there something wrong for being angry? Right. Uh, so basically going back to that physical response, um, what do you do when you're happy? You laugh, you smile, you know, you're kind of a spring in your step. When you're sad, you cry. When you're afraid, you shiver or you shake or you, you know, get withdrawn. Um, when you're disgusted, you might roll your eyes or be like, ugh, you know, really, I can't believe that happened. And then when you're angry, what happens? It can be multiple things. It can be, I just need to stop my foot or I need to sigh or I need to just kind of hit the counter with my fist. Um, it's this built up energy all of a sudden that needs a release. And often what happens is since we don't feel like we can control it, we release it in an unhealthy way. And when we multiply that unhealthy way with um, trying to control the situation or manipulate the situation, um, that's when we really get into destructive anger. So backing up healthy anger It's just normal frustration, irritation that you get from, you know, if you feel angry, that's normal, that's healthy, that's okay. It's what we do with it that becomes destructive, right? And we want to be productive with it. And that's why I talk about sit and recovery. That's how we can get productive. But as far as what is specifically destructive anger, I like to look at it as this is when we are hurting someone, abusing the relationship, abusing someone else, again, trying to control or manipulate. That can be screaming. That can be hitting. That can be um, slamming the doors for sure. Um, It can be belittling. If we're passive aggressive, we might be silent treatments. We might be snarky or joke, and it's not really joking. Um, we can leave the house for hours. Um, I absolutely would do that. I'd get so angry with my, I feel like I experienced the whole spectrum of anger and maybe God allowed that to happen to me <laughs> so I could understand all the things about anger. I don't know, but, you know, totally I would do silent treatments or I would just be like, I'm out of here. I get in the car, drive for hours and he wouldn't know where I was at. Um, so those type of, of things are destructive and it's just basically us trying to make a point and, and change somebody's mind or, the situation and control it in our favor. And it just ends up hurting our relationship and not building upon it.
0: Well, and I feel like too, it's really important um, to understand kind of the curve, the bell curve or whatever you want to call it that we go through when we go through really intense emotions. So like with anger, um, I was talking with a parenting coach not too long ago, but how there's this like, curve of anger where it kind of starts to ramp up, it hits its peak and then it fades. Right. And so like right. when that happens with our children, we can kind of see it happening. We're like, you need to calm down, you know, like whatever. And you're trying, you're like seeing it ramp up and then you're like trying to warn them or tell them to calm down or whatever it is. And then they peak and they punch their brother or whatever. Right. And you're like, and that's when you lose it. You know what I mean? Cause you're like, that yeah. is unacceptable. Like you can't do that. Um, but then afterwards, that's when the remorse comes. That's when the like drain, like the, um, what's it called? Just like the fall of the, the emotion. Guilt and the, the shame yes. And, yeah. And then it, and then they're fine. And then there's, yeah, like all this remorse and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, if we can hold as parents, um, if we can hold that like really steady controlled line as they peak, you know, and that, mm-hmm. because when they're peaking, that's when we're throwing out the screens for the month and the, <laughs> the overgrounded for four years. You know what I mean? Like when we, right. when we're, we start to like, cl- like peak or whatever, when they do, and that's when like, we start to meet them. Like you were talking about at the beginning, you were on the floor with your kid having a tantrum, right? Like mm-hmm. We've all been there um, where we just <laughs> get sucked into it. And so um, with, you know, I've had a lot of trauma training, a lot of whatever. So I feel like at this point, I'm really good at like keeping like, whenever, when everyone. I'm really good at staying calm when everyone else, or like if there's big things going on that's wrong. I my anger issues come from like small stupid crap. Like <laughs> it really <laughs> don't matter. Like if it's a big deal, big something, I'm like as cool as can be. But the second it's like they put you know lettuce on my taco, I'm like dude, <laughs> about to kill someone. Um, I mean it's kind of a silly whatever. Anyways, point being is that understanding. Totally got off track there. Understanding that there is a curve. That naturally has to happen for both ourselves and our children for any emotion, right? You can't sustain like crazy excitement or crazy anger or crazy whatever, like all the time. There is this up climax and then down. And so being able to ride that wave with our kid without matching that energy is really, really important. And also, kind of like you were saying at the beginning um, with your daughter and how you were like, it's her, if she could just freaking listen, <laughs> this would all be, I right. would be, I would be a perfect mother if my child was whatever, which we yeah. all thought that. Um, but at the same time, it's also really, really good, I think. And again, just um, you can piggyback off of this um, in a second to see if this is something that you also coach and teach on, but it's also really good to start to learn what is age appropriate for a child because mm-hmm. like, I, um yes, you know, if you had a kid, we, again, another interview that I had recently, it, you know, we were talking about one of my kids who I'm like, oh my gosh, I asked them to pick up like four toys. That's it. And it takes them 45 minutes and I want to pull my hair out. And she's like, well, what are they doing? I'm like, well, he just starts playing with the toys. And she's like, how old is he? I'm like four, you know? And she's like, well, that's totally age appropriate for him mm-hmm. to get distracted. Yep. Like his executive functioning and whatever, like- It is totally normal for him, for you to say, go pick up those eight toys or whatever, and for him to get distracted. But he's not a bad kid. Like that's literally what his brain is wired to do. (laughs) And so so we're getting mad and Mm -hmm. we are getting angry because they're not doing what we think they should do because they don't have an adult brain. Anyways, point being, learning what is appropriate for a child, I think could probably help our anger when we realize, oh, they are totally typical. It's me that has like the totally wrong expectations or approach. It's so true. Um, I tell my clients a lot, like we live
1: in our brain. And so we, you know, and it sounds so profound, but we're in our head and it's very easy for us to think, you should just know this, right? Like, hello, I shouldn't have to spell this out for you. You should follow directions. But yes, I absolutely tell my clients, it's one of the first things we talk about. I want you to to either research online or get a book. And I want you to see your kids' ages and their development because um, you need to see what's normal for their age and development because a couple things. One, it takes the the guilt and shame off when you see your kiddo throwing a tantrum. Immediately, so many of my clients are like, they learned that from me. I'm like, no, actually they're just doing that because they're three or two or whatever it is. That's just part of their normal development and working through processing the anger. Um, It's not just learn from you. Sure. There's learned behaviors from parents. Absolutely. We both agree on that. There's patterns, behaviors, all of that. But at the same time, our kids are also naturally developing in these different ways. And they kind of have to go through this process of learning. And so um, when you read about that, you can also, it takes the edge off and you're like, oh, they're normal. They're supposed to be doing this, you know? (laughs) So it's absolutely helpful to um, research where your kids are in age and development. The other interesting thing, just a little um, tidbit of, um, I don't know, a little nugget, I recently, I guess it was a year ago, I heard that kids um, who are their develop their hearing development. Let's get there. Hearing development does not fully develop till they're 15. So that's one of the reasons why we repeat ourselves 15 times. <laughs> so because they, you know, yeah, of course they can hear, but when you think about hearing development, it's not just the forming of the bones and the, the tissue, but absolutely that is part of it. Um, it's also the forming of the neurotransmitters and the, the, you know, the ways that everything's connected, connected up upstairs in our head. Um, it's that development. So they haven't quite connected those, um, I don't know, what are they called? Nerves or whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, even, right even here. the like, um, you know, connecting like, or even not being distracted, being able to focus on what you're yes. saying and then like making that into an action that's appropriate. Quote unquote, appropriate <laughs> what you want them mm-hmm. to do, which is why so often we're like, Can if you could just do what I need you to do, that would be amazing. And they're like, Well, I don't know what you need me to do, even though you told me because right. <laughs> I was yes. thinking about the TV show that I just watched and the slime they were just creating, even though you were telling me something <laughs> else. And I'm also, my dog is like right here up next to me. You know, there's just so much sensory yeah. stuff too. I'm learning that it's like they are learning how to take all of life in that's going around. Mm-hmm. And so, We do have really, I mean, it's good. It's good to have high expectations for our kids, but not to the point where it's, where it's destruction or destructive. Kind of, I will just use your word there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's also interesting too. Um, And it's one of those like, oh no moments where it's like, how many times have you not done something that you've either told yourself or you were supposed to do, or somebody asked you to do and you haven't done it and you're fully developed at this point but you've missed it and it's something that we don't really think about we need to have more compassion and empathy even towards our especially towards our children and and just let's touch on that what is empathy empathy is putting ourselves in someone else's shoes and when we can reach that point with our children it's so much easier to go oh that's you know that's why they didn't do that or that's you know we immediately will take it on as they're just Being defiant and they don't want to listen to us. Whereas when we can stop and really tune in and be like, you know what really is going on for them? I don't know, but let me think more about it and discover and be curious and ask questions so that I can understand them more. And then we're able to offer that compassion and empathy towards them.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, as we're going back and forth here with some strategies and stuff, you know, like I think a lot of times, you know, we get overwhelmed with our, this is kind of random, but not as totally, it's totally connected at the same time. <laughs> we get really random or we get really random. We get really angry um, or, you know, overwhelmed or whatever when our house is a freaking disaster. And, uh-huh. you know, I think there's a lot of anger that stems, especially when you're asking a kid to like, okay, go to your room and clean your room. This is ridiculous. Look at all these toys, these clothes, the, you know, fort that you freaking just made, like all of these things. Right. And so we expect our four or five, six year old to clean their room and I have learned so much. I don't know if you know who Ali Casaza is, but she does. She's a big decluttering chick anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But there's like a direct relation between clutter and stress um, and high cortisol levels. And so, yeah. you know, we expect our kids to go in and clean this room. Well, think about, you know, either you, yourself, me, myself, and anyone listening. What does your kids' rooms look like? Um, because before I used to have a lot of toys in their room, there's a lot of clothes, books, you know, whatever. Now it's like there are no toys, there are no nothing. And so when, um, when I ask them to clean their room, it's appropriate because it's like put the books on the shelf, put the clothes in the drawer and blankets on the bed. And that's all they can do. Because before when I, it would be a freaking disaster and I'm like, clean this room and they wouldn't do it. And then I just through conversations and, you know, learning or whatever. It's like the mapping in your brain that it takes Mm -hmm. to like plan out how to clean a room. It seems so simple. Like just pick up the freaking toys, just put the clothes in the way, just do this, just do whatever. But like when a four-year-old is looking at that, they like, I'm just going to sit and rock in the corner because it's overwhelming. overwhelming. But then we get angry. You know, we don't want to do it ourselves for them because they're the one that made it. Anyway, this is a whole freaking mess. It
1: it really is. And, and they're not equipped really at that age. We, we like pick your room up and then we walk away and go do some laundry and we come back. Why isn't your room picked up? Well, you need to sit on the floor and help them. Right. But it's not something that you think you, well, they could take the toys out. Why can't they put it back in? Right. Cause it's just not the way that they're, they're not there yet. And it's okay.
0: And there's nothing wrong with you for right. like, you know, it's, it's learning how to process these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like if they didn't clean their room, you know, they will tell you if you ask them like, why? Like I asked you to clean your room. Like why, why haven't you put your toys away or something? You know, they might be like, well, I didn't know, like, should I do toys or my books or my... My blankets, you know. So that tells you like, okay, they're getting like really overwhelmed. Or like, well, when Noah was in here, like doing his or my oldest is Noah. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he was in here, he was distracting me. So I just eat whatever. You know what I mean? A lot of times kids will open up as to why. Like they want to like make you happy. They don't want to just piss you off all the time. But it's exactly, you know. So and the one of the books, I don't know if you have any resources, um, or like favorite books, but um, my husband and I are in the middle of reading Whole Brain Child, and it is like the most amazing thing um, that I think we could read as a parent. So, what other um, what other books do you feel like you recommend for parents that are kind of going through all of this? Yeah. So let's
1: see. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Okay. Sorry, I'm um, going kind to of
0: put you on the spot. On that no, one. you're
1: good. Like you know, Amber, Leah, and Wendy speak. They do triggers. Have you heard of them? I Have not. So they have a book called Triggers and Parent. Maybe it's Scripts is the other one. I don't see it right now, but I know I have it. Um, and there's, oh yeah, it's parenting scripts. There it is. Um, they, there's this pretty, I love it because they're kind of giving you like a layout of, you know, this is what you can say when your kid is like doing this and not that you're going to remember everything verbatim, but again, it's just kind of putting that information and awareness in and framework. Um, probably Yeah. So that's really good. Um, I'm like really into like mindset, toxic relationships. So, um, some of my favorite books have to do with, well, here's a good Christian one. Get out of your head by Jenny Allen. I love that one. Mm, I've um, that. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm just looking at my bookshelf disarming the narcissist. Will I ever be good enough? Um, healing the adult children of narcissists. I just saw one on Amazon today too. Cause I put one of the books that you were talking about in your podcast in my cart actually. Um, it was like healing the adult children of emotionally immature parents. And I haven't read it, but I was like, Oh, that looks interesting. So I'm totally into those, those. Um, But I will, I also just have to put a a one out there for um, Stormy O. Martin. She's got one called the prayer that changes everything. And that was a huge, um, huge, I don't know, transformation book for me just recognizing the fact that when we, sit and surrender to the Lord. And we praise him even through the challenges. Um, he's able to do work there. And that's one of the biggest things that I do with my clients is I, I ask them, I basically require them. I don't care what you do, but you need to spend time with the Lord on a regular basis and check that in with me because he's the one, he's the master, um, therapist, counselor, coach, whatever you want to say. He's the one who will redesign your brain and help you, um, you know, make these changes. You're not stuck. You can change. He can heal you. And it takes the work and the surrender and that time with him to allow him to move in you to, um, to make that happen.
0: I love that. I love just everything. I I love, I feel like this message is so aligned with my podcast of, you know, that you just, you have to do the work that you need to do period. Um, you are not too far gone. There is work that you can do. Um, you know, and yes, that we are, able to be made new, you know, and to be restored and redeemed and whatever else. And again, we're talking about anger, but with your finances, with your health, with, you know, yes, just your family, everything. with addiction, with whatever it might be, like it starts with you, you know, and You're never
1: too far gone. <laughs> right?
0: Absolutely. So I love it so much. Thank you. Um, Okay. So Natalie, where can people find you connect with you after this podcast is over? I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that there are plenty of us that deal with um anger that are you on the social medias, the social medias, good Lord, am I? So <laughs> are you on the social medias? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's all
1: right. I use Marco Polo for part of the um, oh. part, part of the coaching I do with my clients. so I always say I'll see you on the Marco Polos. <laughs> but oh no, I actually I actually quit social media in January. Um, just felt led to get off of it. but everything that I would have posted on there is over at my website nataliehickson.com. Um, And then for your listeners who want that trigger tracker, they can go to nataliehickson.com slash legacy and download that free trigger tracker. Um, But yeah, I'm over there and I have a blog and I post like this podcast will be over there when it's up and um, you can just find me there and reach out to me there too.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Natalie, for all of your wisdom and just sharing everything that you've learned and your story and being so open. I know that there were so many things that I've already taken away and let alone, you know, anyone who is listening. And I really genuinely feel like whether it is one person or 700 or 7,000 people that will ever listen to this episode, it is exactly what they needed to hear, right? Because that's how God works. So thank God is you so again. much for coming on. <laughs>
1: Thank you for having me. It's been so fun and I appreciate what you're doing. It's, it is amazing work. And yeah, when you heal your, when you surrender to the Lord and you work on healing, um, you change that generation. You, um, you start to heal that generate the next generation and those to come. So it's just really cool work.
0: Okay. um, So, so good. Oh my goodness. I loved how open and real and raw Natalie was. We talked about this in the episode, but it is so true, you know, that sometimes God takes us on a journey and I mean like really, really takes us on this journey so that we can... Uh, be fully humbled and fully aware of our weaknesses so that we can grow and ultimately really lead others who find themselves kind of on the same path that we were on before God's redemptive story kind of happened in our lives. And our conversation, I feel like really reminded me the whole time I was thinking of the song uh, See a Victory from Elevation Worship. And in the bridge of that song, it just repeats over and over. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for good. You took what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for good. And I have said it before in this podcast, and I'll say it again. You are never too far gone. You are never too far down a certain path, right? God's redemption in the lives of people reaches from the freaking saints to like the inmates on death row. So whether you struggle with anger or whether it's something else, I encourage you to seek out the root cause of that struggle. Possibly even consider some kind of therapy that will support you. And you know me, I'm all for therapists. And I did an episode a couple back and it's talking about trauma um, and how the epigenetics of trauma kind of play out, which basically is a fancy way to say that we are all connected between three to four generations above us. There are trauma markers turned on and off that are completely connected to, you know, our grandparents or great grandparents or our mothers or our fathers, meaning that any kind of trauma that our mothers, our grandparents, or great grandparents experienced could have a direct effect on us chemically, that our genes can be chemically altered when our ancestors have experienced trauma. And I talk about this in that episode, so you should, all link it to in the show notes, but you know, when a mother is pregnant with her daughter She's also pregnant with all of the grandchildren that daughter, if she chooses to have children, will ever have. Because by what, like five or six months, the baby, and if it's a baby girl, in the mom's belly has all the eggs that she will ever have. And so if the mother experiences some kind of trauma the daughter in her belly is chemically altered her genes and then also all of her grandbabies are to an extent chemically altered as well because of that trauma and so a lot of times as parents or whatever or like I was talking about Natalie today you know we think oh my gosh what am i doing wrong <laughs> like why is my kid struggling with this or why are they so vulnerable to this or why You know, I can't think of anything in our immediate family that happened. There was no trauma. You know, her parents are doing good. Like everything is kind of like hunky-dory, but she still really struggles with this. Well, we have to look above us, right? Like what did your parents struggle with? Was there anger with that? Natalie talked about how that's kind of how her household dealt with conflict or just anything in general was with, with anger. So there's some generational patterns there. But even before that, you guys, when you're looking at yourself or your kids, it's so easy to look at the, like what's right in front of us. But we have to remember that we are connected to up to three to four generations above us and could really be um, some different behaviors or thought patterns or habits or vulnerabilities can really be linked to trauma that we have no idea even happened because we could be linked to our great-grandparents that we maybe never met. And we had no idea that when, you know, they were in a war or whatever they experienced X, Y, or Z, or, you know, we just don't know all the time. And so therapy is great for this because a lot of times, um, especially if you work with the right therapist or whatever, for what you're struggling with, a lot of times they can kind of point back to a root cause. And typically it's, it's familial, right? So anyways, guys, all right. So next week, I'm going to wrap this up, but next week, Um, we are going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm going to share an interview I did with a powerful author and coach who helps women really step into their God-given purpose and how to align their business with their faith. And though she kind of personally on her platform really speaks more to women in business, our conversation that we had really covers kind of the spectrum. So even if you are not a business owner or not a woman in business, this one is still for you, and I'm super, super excited for you guys to hear it. Also, update on sweet Lucy. She is a week old now, and she is as healthy as can be, and her brothers and her dad absolutely love her. We did newborn uh, newborn pictures for the first time ever, and they are, like, the sweetest thing. So if you have not seen them yet, go to Legacy Through Motherhood on Instagram, and you will be able to see all the cute baby pictures that we took. And here soon, <laughs> I will get back to... Uh, coaching and motivational stuff. I'm talking a lot about money on my Instagram, but right now it's all kinds of baby fever, baby love. So, all right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week and I look forward to walking with you and help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.